welcome back to another episode of the Asking for a Friend podcast. It's an elder-led ministry of Believer's Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. My name is Duffy Henderson, and I'll be your host. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and the benefit of God's people. Here, we hope to provide helpful, thoughtful, and most importantly, biblical material as we address everyday life questions and issues. So if you find this podcast helpful, please take a few moments to share it with someone that you think would also benefit from it. Thanks for listening in today, and may the Lord bless this episode in particular greatly to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth and your benefit. Well, we are back today recording. I'm here with Brother Jason Rowland, one of our pastors here, and Kyle Slaymaker. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Glad to be here. It's a difficult subject that we're going to be talking about, and perhaps someone has um, clicked on the episode and seen the title and um, may be intrigued by the title and certainly may raise some questions, but we want to dive into it, and uh, hopefully we can be helpful. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, inviting me to an easy one. So <laughs> I knew I knew Kyle would just love to be on this one. You know, it's an easy topic to discuss. Yeah. yeah. Well, all joking aside, uh, this is a serious issue. Uh, we have just spent a good bit of time discussing before we even re- were recording, talking about um, just how to be thoughtful and careful, loving, uh, discussing this issue. And if you've seen the episode title, we are talking about church discipline. We're going to look at what is church discipline, um, some pastoral thoughts, and how it ought to be done well, and maybe some pitfalls to avoid. Um, but again, this is going to be another edition, or another episode rather, in our series for new members. So specifically, we are going to be addressing some things that uh, maybe longtime members of believers already have, uh, they're already aware of, this has been uh, talked about before, and actually some of our members have seen some cases of church discipline uh, be enacted, and so they've lived through some of this. But some uh, someone new to our church um, may not even be familiar with the term. Um, we're, we're, this episode is for you. This episode is also for the person that maybe uh, have a um, maybe a poor experience or maybe some questions regarding church discipline. And so hopefully um, we've got two of our best guys for the subject to talk about it today, Jason and Kyle. So. Well, Kyle, definitely. Kyle is, uh, of all of our elders, Kyle is probably the, the least. I've never seen Kyle's feathers be ruffled. He's, he's um, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying this seriously, <laughs> and I'm, I mean this. He is calm. He, he's thoughtful. And Absolutely. so Kyle really is a good uh, voice to this issue. Yep, yep. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and jump in. We've got a lot of ground to cover. I just want to open this up with a simple uh, question. What is church discipline? Yeah, so, I mean, I think in order to uh, answer that question, I think we should uh, start by going to Scripture. Uh, let's look at uh, Matthew 18, starting in verse 15. And uh, these are uh, Jesus' words in regards to uh, church discipline. Um, so Matthew 18, starting in verse 15. If your brother sins against you, Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound on heaven Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Yeah, and I think um, 
Jason, I love your comments there for just a moment, but just even reading that text uh, brings to mind, I know so many thoughts, even you listener may be hearing that, um, questions and, well, what does that mean? Or how, how do we think about this properly? And we're going to hopefully discuss that. But uh, this comes into play with talking about the church in general. What is the church? And what, what Christ meant when he gave the keys of the kingdom to the church. And those kinds of questions with, um, as we see later in the New Testament, the ordination of elders and their, the overseers of a local church and how their office is instilled with authority from Christ um, to preach the word, right? To oversee the church, the spiritual life of, of believers, as well as, as we see right here, um, whatever is bound on earth will be bound and loosed. And so this is even talking about um, who gets to participate in the life of the church as a external, visible member of Christ's church, who gets to participate in the Lord's Supper, um, who are already baptized in. And so all of the, there's a lot that's kind of being packed into this conversation of church discipline. Jason, I'll hand it over to you. Well, I think that one of the things that we need to uh, think clearly about is that the New Testament, obviously from the passage that Kyle just read, gives us then um, one of the ways in which we as God's people can rescue one another from sin. We're talking about believers who have professed a faith in Christ. They've been baptized. They're active. They're involved in their church. Perhaps they're serving even as an elder, deacon, whatever capacity they may be giving their life to the church. That brother or sister has fallen into a habitual pattern of sin in which um, has brought reproach upon Christ, reproach upon the church. It has caused division within the church. It is some immoral, criminal behavior. These are just some of the categories that we might think about. But we we then, as the church body, um, rather than just kicking someone to the curb and saying, you sinner, how could you do that? I can't, walking, I can't believe you sinned. Right. And <laughs> walking off and leaving <laughs> Absolutely, them. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, then this text that Kyle just read, those are the words of Jesus to the congregation or to the church and a local congregation on how we can rescue each other from ourselves. Yeah, and I heard this attributed, uh, I, I'm, let me back up, I don't know who this is attributed to, but I've heard it and it's stuck with me that church discipline is a rescue mission. This is exactly what you just said, is seeing a brother or sister who is in habitual, regular sin, and it does bring a reproach upon Christ and the church and other believers. And it's saying, hey, this is, you can't do this anymore. We, you, need, you need to come back. You, you are showing yourself, you are displaying your life in such a way that your, your life says, I am not to be uh, identified with Christ, but yet your profession says this. Right. It's and a so, means of grace that God has given us. Yes, absolutely. Because... Um, if we are in continual intentional rebellion against God's word or we in, have rejected it uh, as being a professing believer, uh, then it's grace that, that our other fellow believers would come after us, not to, not to beat us up, but to save us because we are in the grip of sin. Um, and every person knows what the grip of sin is, every person that is willing to admit that knows what the grip of sin is, and, and sometimes it is so tight. It's a noose around the neck that is so tight that 
you, you can't get out emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, and you need someone to come rescue you. Yeah. And I would add a word to that. You know what you guys were talking about. You talked about uh, continual habitual sin, but I would say continual habitual unrepentant sin. That's right. Because, I mean, I think Absolutely. in our lives, yes. uh, you know, we all probably can look at sins that we've been battling with for years and we hate that sin, whether it's the sin of pride, the sin of selfishness. Yes. and. Like, you know, so we're not saying that this is a sin that you've been battling for years and you hate and, you know, that uh, that you repent of. And it's just um, we're talking about a sin that is habitual, something that uh, others recognize as a sin that you really just don't care. You don't care that um, that they're calling you to repent. You're you're happy with your sin. You're uh, you're content to live in your sin and you have no no desire to change and no plans to change you know and thank you for the clarification yes. that was implied with what i said <laughs> but that's a great it's an important word that Unre- that is unrepentant sin. yeah uh, that is the key because it, unrepentance is the reason that they need to be rescued it's not it's not so much the sin all sin is heinous uh, no matter how small we might make it in our own mind all sin is a, a rebellion and it's an offense against God. So that now um, the unrepentant state is what we're rescuing you from. One of the things that um, I think that we pick up from the text that Kyle read, again out of Matthew 18, is just the concern, the love, the compassion. It's not uh, punitive, and it's not. It's so. It's certainly disciplinarian, um, but it's discipline for a purpose, not discipline to condemn, to um, cause someone to be lost forever. You know, one of the the th- statements in that text is that if your brother listens to you, then you have won him. That 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 language is a, a language of of a of a valuable gained. You, you've won. Your brother, who was trapped and has now escaped the clutches of sin, and and they have done it because you were willing to to go out, go down to the depths with other brothers and sisters in Christ to redeem that one. Yeah, and I think what's beautiful is baked into just that verse fifteen that there is a fault that's happened, so there's an offense that's happened, and um, there is a confrontation with that offense. And then there, a a true believer, someone who loves Christ and loves his church, loves his people, there will be um, recognition of humility to say, I, you know, this is something that I, you know, I may not have known that I offended you or whatever the case may be, but there's a reconciliation that is fueled by love and humility and care. So all of that, it's a beautiful thing there. It's very pastoral. It's it's not surprising that... Jesus would speak in terms of shepherding, concern, yes. uh, care, compassion. So that's the way that it must be understood. Um, obviously, through church history, through time, it's been abused, it's been misunderstood, it's been misapplied. And our current culture, uh, even in the Bible Belt where we live, it is um, not practiced by, I would say, a majority of the churches. So um, it would be considered to be very unloving, very judgmental, very condemning. So it's not something to enter into lightly or, or um, carelessly. It's something to think about carefully and, and biblically 
with a lot of concern for the other person's well-being. So let me ask you guys a question. Um, here at Believers, we strive to be just a biblically sound, biblically healthy church. We err in many ways, but that's our aim, to be biblically tethered to what we do. Um, that hopefully comes out in our worship services, in our classes that we offer, in the way that we interact with one another. We strive. And this is one area that we see that we that Scripture teaches us that church discipline is a necessary part of being a biblically healthy local congregation. So talk to the person that may not see, if they don't already, make the case a little bit stronger why it would be necessary uh, for this to be a component within a local congregation. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, you know, we're talking about... um, formal church discipline. So we're talking about, uh, you know, Duffy kind of brought up uh, a few minutes ago or um, about, you know, one member going to another member and um, and speaking truth to that member about maybe a sin that they, they don't recognize or, you know, uh, holding that person accountable in their life. And and really that's kind of the, the foundation of what church discipline should look like. It should look like members pouring into one another, members loving on each other, members holding each other accountable with uh, patience, love, uh, and, and doing it in an encouraging manner. Um, and then, you know, as the passage goes on, uh, if that person doesn't listen to that correction, that's when it escalates. That's when we bring other people, get other people involved. And, um, you know, prayerfully as we go on through those steps, they will reach the point where uh, they will repent and they will be re- restored uh, to the church. But um, it's so important that we do this because if we allow sin to continue, then we are not being loving at all to the members within the church. Uh, you know, it's like uh, me as a father, you know, I have three boys. And if I allow my boys to just sin, to disobey me, um, I am not being a loving father. You know, if I, if I, if my son, every time he walks away from me, I just let him go. And, you know, he starts to walk away. And when I call him back, he ignores me and keeps going. I'm not being a loving father because what happens when we're standing, you know, near a busy road and he goes to walk away from me, you know. Uh, you know he's and he's stepping himself, out into he's traffic. He's stepping himself out into traffic, right? I mean, uh, you know, I'm not being loving by allowing my son to, to disobey me. Um, so this is one of the ways that we love one another, that we love the congregation, is by discipline. Um, and so, I mean, at least that's one of the ways. There's other reasons also, but that's one of them. Jason, do you have some other? Right. Well, I think, you know, uh, I think that probably from the text becomes the priority. But behind that would be the fact that we honor God's name. Uh, God's name uh, is held in high esteem. It's promoted. Um, not only that, but the fact that um, the integrity of the church is preserved. The reason why that we have weak uh, involvement in the culture by the church is because the culture can ignore the church. The church has lost its integrity, its credibility in the culture. And one of the reasons it's lost its credibility is because we haven't dealt with sin. We haven't dealt it with it in a biblical way. We have um, swept it under the rug. We've made it easy for people to come into the church and to uh, continue in a state of unrepentant sin. So uh, th- that that brings no credibility to the outside world. So by doing discipline, we continue the, the credibility of the church. We, um, I think that, that the fact that we um, protect um, true doctrine, uh, 
we're protecting what God's Word says, and we're trusting what God's Word says, so we, we protect that, and especially in cases where heretical teaching would be involved. So I, I think so, those are some of the other benefits that, that go along with what you're saying that, that shows the world how we truly love one another, which ought to be one of the marks that draws the unbeliever to the church. We ought to be so winsome, so loving in our concern for one another that the, the pe- lost people are drawn to that. I want to be a part of that. But instead, when we don't do anything about sin, we let it well, go. Well, certainly. There's they- nothing distinctive about Christ's church if there's no consequence for sin. Right. Because that's the way the rest of the world works. Right. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, that just seems to be so antithetical that we would... You know, that it would either be just put to the side for the sake of, you know, and maybe it's not intentional, but some churches would may just be like, well, that would hinder our growth if we if people knew that we practice churches when we may not have as many people come to join the church, purely purely for those kinds of reasons. Right. Uh, I'm going back to something that Kyle said, and I think it's important for us to make this distinction again, is that we're talking about formal church discipline. And there is informal church discipline that happens all the time. It really is the first part of that that text. When you read there in verse 15, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. It's a private matter. Uh, it's a matter in which nobody else needs to know details or be involved. It's a private matter that you come alongside a brother, not in a condemning way, not because you think you're better, uh, because Galatians chapter 6 teaches very clearly that we ought to uh, come alongside one another when we see each other caught in sin, um, that we should restore one another. And so most church discipline is an informal, private kind of matter um, where you come alongside me, you say, hey, your attitude and the way that you're conducting yourself toward other church members because they won't agree with you um, is not right. And so you put your arm around me and say, we want to help you think about this, brother. And hopefully if I'm the offending person, I would be willing to hear that and then turn from that and repent. And if I do that, it's it's done. It's a private matter. It's taken care of. It doesn't have to go public. It only becomes public and formal in the sense that it escalates to get the whole congregation involved. Yeah, it just popped into my mind a, uh, a text, I believe it's in Proverbs, the famous passage that iron sharpens iron. I think that's an applicable text to church discipline as well, as we are seeking to sharpen one another uh, with a dull, you know, one has a dull blade and they're not acting appropriately or, you know, there's certainly a, a sense in which um, right. it's a one-on-one sort of a thing that is, that's the ideal, is that the one-on-one situations can get resolved peaceably and lovingly, and then we all go on, you know. Right. What, what you would hope and pray, and I think what the ideal scenario is in the life of any congregation is you see that type of informal church discipline happening on a regular basis because we're all, we're all guilty of sin. We all have fault. We all have sinned, and there are blind spots in our lives. We we need our fellow 
um, brothers and sisters in Christ to come up to us and help us and see those spots. So that kind of church discipline um, ought to be a normal, active, redeeming part of any church. And as we as we have those conversations with people, you know, I, my mind goes to uh, also First Thessalonians five. Um, this is in uh, verse. Where um, is that? Verse fourteen. Uh, it says, "And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all." So, you know, as we're having those conversations with people, you know, we need to definitely uh, have a be patient with people yes. as we have these conversations. Uh, just because you have one conversation with them and they may not get it at that one time, you know, doesn't mean you get frustrated with them, doesn't mean you write them off. Uh, so, you know, always come from a humble place, um, from an idea of being patient with one another. And then as, as a, a brother or someone approaches you about a sin, you know, we, we can't be defensive. Uh, I think it's our American culture that, you know, once we hit 18, we're adults and you can't tell us what to do anymore, right? And so... Uh, right? <laughs> yeah. I thought I mean, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm an adult now. I do what I want to do. And, that happens you, know, you can't with tell me I'm wrong. So that happens uh, with my eight-year-old. Yeah, you know. So you know, if someone brings something to you, and uh, and you know, I mean, take it and you know, listen to them and pray about what they're telling you. And you know, they may be right on. They may be exposing something in your heart that you didn't recognize. And you know, they may have misunderstood, the, misread the situation too. And you know, you can go back to them and talk to them. And um, so, I mean, that's kind of the you know, that's kind of the initial or. Uh, you know, the, uh, what we would call maybe more informal church discipline, which we pray happens, uh, you know, on, on a continual basis as relationships are built, as people get to know one another, as people love one another. Um, do we want to kind of turn the corner now to kind of what the more formal uh, church discipline yes. looks like? Yes, I think there... uh, because really that, that step, um, that process that we're describing as informal um, that we're praying that happens on a regular basis to um, brothers and sisters to restore one another, that, that's the first step in the mm-hmm. formal process. So it does move to the second step. Yes. So you generally we think um, if you, you know, there's plenty of folks who've written on this and even from this text, they're really just pulling from this text. There's, I think I've seen some, some say four, some say five steps, but there's a, there's a, an escalation, I think, would be a good way to put that yeah. of intensity with the disciplinary process. Right. Some would, well, some would say that the first step for every believer is the self-discipline in their own life, self-control and self-discipline. So my life, I will have to guard my own heart, and I will have to have self-discipline, self-control. Um, that's the first step of church discipline. Then the second step would be what we just talked about. This informal. That's the that's the fifth step that someone in some writers and theologians, scholars, pastors include. I, I typically don't do that. I, I just call this informal, private conversation the first step, and then we move to that second step. So if the the if the person that you privately um, confront with a spirit of humility with gentleness, if they will not listen and they repent and they continue in um, that unrepentant sin, then the, the second piece of that is that you are to um, take another brother um, or another sister with you to deal with that um, so that there are witnesses involved, um, first of all, to, as 
Kyle said just a moment ago, there could be some misunderstanding. There needs to be some clarity. So you have a witness that, that listens and confirms that or confirms their unrepentance. Yeah, and I think it may be helpful for you guys to speak to this. Um, what would be the purpose of having, and I don't mean just on the surface level the purpose, but what would be the purpose of having one or maybe two other folks to be a part of that conversation? Is that just to get a couple of other friends on your side? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or is it something more? Can you guys, I'm just playing, you know, I'm asking the hard questions here. That's my job as the host or one of the hosts here. Well, I mean, the scripture is always so wise in, the, in, in that Nothing really can happen apart from two or three witnesses. Um, that you know, that goes back to an Old Testament principle, and you see that really in this process. This is what this is: is the witnesses uh, protect the accused and the accuser. They serve as a confirming or validating. Uh, component into the accusation. Yes. Right. Either either uh, validating the accuser or the accused, yes. one of the two, right? That's a huge, that's a very important uh, component. Yes. Yeah. I mean, one person could be very biased. One person could have ulterior motives. You know, there could be a lot of reasons that someone might bring charges against someone else and those be unfounded or unjust. And so you need the confirming witnesses to uh, bring balance and justice and truth to the, the situation. Absolutely. Well, that's it for today's episode. Don't forget to like and share the podcast with someone that you think would also benefit from it. We sure hope that you've enjoyed the conversation. Also, by way of reminder, this is part one of a two-part series. So don't forget also to tune in next time for the last half of the conversation. And as usual, until next time, grace and peace be with you all.